Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Forts Athletics Life and Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Inferna. We're at Forts Athletics. We provide coaches and athletes the tools they need in order to achieve their unique and specific goals. And we are recording this on late Friday night, April 23rd. Uh, East Coast time It is uh, pretty late. It's, uh, what do we got here? Like 930 Um this is going to drop on Monday. We missed last Monday. Recorded that one earlier. It's like kind of like a recap. Uh, this uh, episode today that we're going to talk about um, has to do with improvement, improvements, and proficiency. Right. So uh, if you listen to the last podcast that I shared, where we were talking about improvements and um, proficiencies and what we focus on as um, coaches, something that really strikes me or um, has stricken me, I don't know if that's the right word or phrase here, is when we look at, from a coach's perspective, uh, improving from competition to competition or becoming more proficient from competition to competition. And uh, earlier this winter, I attended a track meet. Uh, we were at Houghton College, and I just overheard some coaches talking about improvement versus proficiency. And I just thought it was really um, interesting, um, the dynamic of the conversation. It's going to be a, a blog post that's released that coincides with that. It's also going to... Um, come out at the same time on Monday, so if you can hang on, you'll be able to uh, read that later on uh, this afternoon. But I, what I what I want to talk about is, you know, as coaches, um, you know, we've had three meets now for our track kids and, uh, you know, track athletes, student athletes at Alfred State, and, um, one thing that's really interesting or, I, you know, I pay a lot of attention to is the improvement in distances versus, versus proficiency in technique. And um, in the blog post, if you read it, uh, what I talked a lot about was actually Lewis's senior year. And I revert back to him a lot because it was really a unique situation. He's a unique individual. Um, and in all honesty, like I've talked about before, he probably shouldn't have been there to begin with. Um, but that, you know, if you want to learn more about that, you can listen to, you know, our podcast interview with Lewis that we, um, we conducted last year, actually, um, around this time, to be all honest. And um, what what strikes me about the improvement versus proficiency is, um, depending on your team, at any given time, you're going to have upperclassmen and maybe, you know, freshmen, things like that, depending on, you know, where you are. And within that group, you might have athletes that have never competed before in track or sports, and they uh, and they just show up. And Lewis just showed up at NAS, um, and he saw a lot of improvement over the course of his first three years as an athlete. And I coached him his freshman and sophomore year. Uh, he had a different coach his junior year, and then I picked up again uh, with his senior year. And in looking at Lewis and 
looking from that lens, that perspective, and, and kind of, you know, evaluating uh, our athletes now and evaluating myself as a coach is how I'm doing. Something that, um, you know, people always ask, even my parents, well, how far did they throw at the beats like, if we're talking, right? So it always comes down to distance. And how far did they throw? Did they win? And so on, right? And I guess that's, you know, for, for those who don't compete in track, really it's, you know, did you, did you perform better than you did last time? Did you perform better than you did last season? Or did you perform as well as you have ever done in your life and set a personal best? Nobody has ever asked me, really, if the athlete's average of their throws increased or their average of their throws increased over the course of season to season. Now, if your personal best goes up every year over the course of four years, there's probably a pretty good chance that your technique got a little bit more proficient over the course of the four or five or six years that you were enrolled in college. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to become more proficient. You could be a two-turn weight thrower, grip and rip, and also be a two-turn hammer thrower, grip and rip. Your technique might not get any better ever over the course of the four years, but because of uh, improvements in the weight room, uh, rest, recovery, nutrition, um, fatigue, all those other factors that play a role in competition outcomes, those factors might go up where you have, you know, really good, good uh, sleep, very restful, you sleep eight to nine hours a night, good nutrition, all those different things. Technique might stay the same, but because you also get stronger in the weight room, your distances are going to improve. That's one thing that's an anomaly. That's not really what the purpose of this uh, podcast is for. But if you want to touch base and talk about it, that would be really interesting because um, getting back to Lewis, his freshman year to sophomore year, he improved by about 10 meters in the hammer, uh, improved by, let's see, uh, I don't know, about 18 feet in the weight, let's say. Uh, yeah, because he was a... 40-foot weight thrower, and then he threw 56, yeah, so 16 feet in the weight, and 10 meters in the hammer. He threw 40 his freshman year, he threw about 50, 50 at um, the ECAC championships his sophomore year. So he improved a lot distance-wise. He was a standing throw weight thrower his freshman year for about three-quarters of the season. And then finally we figured out how to do it. Uh, one-turn throw, and then his sophomore year, we incorporated a two-turn throw and a three-turn hammer throw. So his proficiency in the circle also increased, which, you know, there's a, a positive relationship there. But then something really freaky happened his junior year. He set a personal best in the weight throw pretty much every meet the whole season, all the way through indoor nationals, which... I don't think I've ever coached an athlete to have 10 consecutive performances setting a personal best, ever. I don't know if I've had an athlete with five weeks, to be honest. Well, I'd have to think about that one, depending on, yeah, I probably did. Well, I don't know. Anyway, so basically 10 consecutive weeks 
of personal best performances in the weight room. And uh, when I get back to working with him his senior year, we talked about nationals. You know, he was the top rate uh, thrower coming back at 1927. And just based on previous competitive experiences or national championship meets, we knew that he probably needed to throw at least 20 plus meters to win. If that was, you know, if that's the goal, that's what we were going to work on. So in order to do that, I didn't think, and it took him a while to, I think, uh, buy into it and, and re-engage and, and start developing um, trust again. Um, I don't know if he was quite sure that it was going to happen. So basically, what we we made the decision to toe him to. And we needed a toe turn to kind of get the momentum going to carry him through the circle in order to accelerate the weight and hopefully lead to a, a more positive outcome. So toe and two, we didn't grasp that concept for a while. Uh, so the first meets, first couple meets of the season was a toe and one. And he opened less than he did, well, he opened farther than he did his junior year, but still not quite far enough to, you know, his expectations. But that's okay, but because we were starting to figure out that toe and one was going to work, Tone two was going to be even better, and that's what was going to put him over the top at nationals. But then along the way, I started paying attention to his proficiency, and the average of his meat throws started going up. Where the season before, he was just hitting the PR every week, but he wasn't necessarily putting together a solid series. So he might have an 18-meter throw followed by... 15 or 16 meter throw, which is okay because really you only need two good throws in the season one to get you to nationals and two to add nationals. But what I started noticing was his per me average was starting to go up too. That even though it took him almost a month to get to 19 meters, his average started going up along with his proficiency in the circle, his skills. Um, I thought that was really interesting. And it culminated in a, into a national championship where his uh, sixth throw average at nationals was the highest average that he had all season, um, even though he didn't have, you know, all six of his throws were the best throws of, of the season. He was the most proficient, and he put it together with one huge throw. Now, looking at athletes that I'm, I'm coaching at Alfred State, just kind of like across the board. It's really interesting when you think about that because my goal as a coach is to increase proficiency of their skills and practice in the shot put, discus, and hammer. Hopefully, that proficiency in the circle during practice is going to translate into you know better performances at meets. Hopefully, that isn't always the case. Not every week. It's going to be difficult to PR every single week. But what I wanted to talk about, you know, that coincides with that is how we engage and how we have those conversations with our athletes. And you've heard me talk about this at nauseum. Really, the coach-athlete relationship is going to be uh, a significant predictor of an athlete's success. How that relationship develops, the commitment, you know, the communication complementarity of the dyad. Where 
you know, without getting too researchy here, there are some, you know, differences. There are some nuances when we talk about, you know, improvements versus proficiency. So what are coaches to do? Well, first off, we have conversations about it. I think by at this point in the season, I've been working with the majority of athletes since October. Um, <laughs> I don't think we're at the point, and I, and I say this tongue-in-cheek, um, because some of them actually listen to me ramble on here. I say tongue-in-cheek um, that they listen um, to this podcast, but then also, you know, when, <laughs> when at what point during the season are the athletes like, oh, man, coach is talking about this again. And it's like in one ear, not the other. And it's like the Charlie Brown, you know, teacher and peanuts. But I think it's really important and it's really critical. It's a critical uh, factor um, that plays a role in, in our athletes' successes is to talk about this. And really, silver lining. I always try and find something positive that it means. Uh, I've said this since I started coaching at Fredonia in 04. It could always go worse. There could always be something bad that happens at the competition, but that did. So you try and find the silver lining, right? So you get one out of three throws, okay, could have been worse. You could have fouled out. Um, you make finals, but then you don't improve at finals. Well, you might not have made finals otherwise. So I think you see where what I'm getting at here with that. So the silver lining. So I had that conversation with my athletes after all their meets. So earlier today, we had a competition. I wasn't able to attend um, through the exchange of text messages and things. I you know, learned a little bit more about what happened. And it's really interesting conversations with our athletes that um, going to have to spend some time talking to them about, you know, those outcomes or not even the outcomes, not really about their performance, uh, but other factors that play a role in their performance next week in practice. But I really think as coaches, we need to reinforce the fact that, you know, there's always something to take from a competition, whether it's, you know, an improvement in distance, that's always really easy, right? You set a personal bust, okay, that's great. Uh, but eventually there's going to come a point that you're not going to be able to set a personal bust every single week. Maybe you have two throws within, I don't know, 10 meters or 10 centimeters of your personal bust or three throws, or you work on a new technical cue, or there's something going on that's going to give you the opportunity to, um, you know, leave with a win. And that's what I want to leave you with here today is that, you know, if you're interested in some of these strategies or if you want to learn more about some of the strategies that I talk about with my athletes, uh, please feel free to send a you know, message uh, on Twitter, Instagram. We're at Forts Athletics. You can send an email at ForceAthletics at gmail.com. Uh, I love talking about this stuff. I get really fired up. You can tell sometimes my train of thought, depending on where I am, and where we're recording um, might lead me to uh, kind of like not stumble across my words, but I think you get the idea. Um, so, like I said, send us a message if uh, if you find some value, or maybe you didn't find value. Uh, you can also leave us a review on 
uh, iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts, the Force Athletics Life and Coaching Podcast. You know, leave us a review. Let me know what you think, what you what you'd like to hear more about or hear less about, if you will. Uh, I would appreciate that. I'm starting to crank out some more episodes here, and it'd be cool to to get some feedback from listeners about um, you know what what you're more interested in learning more about and hearing about. Uh, thank you very much for your time tonight. Well, today, when you listen to this, it's going to be on Monday. And um, have a great day.